You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN, your go-to for another fall sports season across the Dakotas with 42 live football broadcasts from the Missouri Valley, the NSIC, the GPAC, and the high school ranks coming your way. Not to mention Summer League and NSIC Volleyball and Soccer, plus award-winning original programs like Midco Sports Magazine, Day by Day, and the return of Varsity Sports Live, Friday nights at 10.30, the best high school football show in the region. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast, episode four of the new year, number 41 overall, taping this on Labor Day Monday, September the 2nd. Alex Heinert, Build Shapes. Bill, great to have you back on the pod. On, on no, no holidays for the AD of the University of North Dakota. No, la- labor means work, right? And that's that's where we're at. Someone once told me that. But uh, so let me ask you a quick question. So here you go. I'm right off the top. Who is your most famous number four? Bobby Orr off the top of my head. I think so. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 Isn't that funny? I mean, I just I think I think I would say the same thing. And, uh, you know, however that goes, it, I think it rhymes with four. And a little bit, just, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's that part of it. So there you go. Four episodes. We're uh, four episodes deep. It's our Bobby Door. I like I, our Bobby. Oh, Bobby Door number one. Bobby Orr number four. Yes. Johnny Pesky number four. Well, funny. The first time I went to Cooperstown, which was at an older age. And actually, I went there at a younger age, but then I went back again and uh, purchased – all of those, uh, I, I would say, numbers that are up mm. on the right field wall. So nice. I've got those uh, as kind of memorabilia. But yeah, I mean, Bobby Dore, you would thought was four, but nope, number one. <laughs> Bobby Dore rolling into the Bill Chaves pod early on. Who, who would have expected that? You got UND playing NDSU this weekend, but Bobby Dore <laughs> has, has started the pod. Red Sox legend. Well, we're going to talk. That's a great segue, Bill, because we are going to talk a lot. It's rivalry week, of course. That's going to be a big part of this podcast. There's so much stuff to get into with UND taking on NDSU in football for the first time since 2015. And like he's only the second time since 2003. So this is a big deal. Excited for it coming up this week. We're going to talk a lot about that and that rivalry. We're also going to recap what was going on around the fall sports scene because it was a great, we've had kind of the soft open two weeks ago with soccer getting things started. This past weekend, everybody was in action. A lot of things to get to on that. But first though, we're going to talk winter sports. We, we talked in our first podcast, what big part of Bill's summer was hiring these four new head coaches. Uh, we're going to try and get those in to the pod kind of over the course of the fall, let you meet them and get to know them a little bit. And the first to step into your office this past week was Mr. Paul Sather of the men's basketball program. Here now that conversation with new head men's basketball coach, Paul Sather. Well, we're excited to be joined by the new head men's basketball coach for the University of North Dakota, Paul Sather. This is your second pod, like in in a week. In a week, that's in in three days, I think. Yeah, it's a lot like of that. usage, a lot of usage rate for Paul this it's, week. It's on. the first two podcasts I've ever done in my life, and I did them in about a three day stretch. So yeah, <laughs> so it's not bad. It's a good week, I guess. Oh, good. Well, we'll try and not touch on the exact same thing that you talked about on the sit down and cheer podcast with Mitch Wigness and Darren Looker, which is rebranding. So that's exciting. By the way, you were I think one of the first guests on that rebrand. What was an award winning podcast. Now you're the Second guest of the new season of what it, this podcast has not won an award yet, but it may, but it may someday. It may someday. 
We're gonna we're gonna we work need on to get that. another microphone if you really want to stretch <laughs> into that award winning stuff. I know. You know. I tell you what, Polsky goes to the Ralph and everything just falls apart. Yeah. I mean, that's just basically where it's at. But we're work, we're working on it. We're working on it. First, I mean, gosh, you've now been in Grand Forks for a little bit now. I guess just kind of talk us through the the last couple of months and how life has been for you and your family getting settled in. You know, I guess it's just been a it's been a blur. I, I guess from my side of it, 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 it's been what I do. It's kind of been fun to coach basketball, to recruit, to kind of plan to get ready for a season. Uh, it's my family. It's my wife, Kelsey, and it's my kids, Beck and Sam, that have kind of had to really reboot and, and change a lot. Um, I think sometimes us as coaches, we can get so lost in what we do because what we do is so much of our livelihood. It's not just a job. It's kind of part of our lives. And my, my wife, Kelsey, has just done an amazing job. This, we've had a few moves in her life. Um, and, and, and so she's, she's just done an unreal job kind of getting our family settled and ready and in a house. And, and, uh, that, that's who really gets the credit for anything that's happening right now. That's that, that helps us kind of be settled and prepared. Cause I'm just, just trying to get ready for a, a season. Anyone that's moved, uh, knows that it's not easy. I mean, it really is not. I mean, yeah. especially if you've been at a place for a little bit. So, so give me this, Paul. You know, we talked about it. Basketball is basketball, right? Coaching is coaching. It doesn't matter what level. But what, what's been the differences between, say, D2 and D1? You know, I, I just think a little bit, it's a, it's a great question because I think a little bit of it is, is, is just the team that you're coaching as well. I, I don't know if there's a lot of differences from the X's and O's and from your, your preparations and those kind of things. What, what I've noticed most for the, for the most part right now is just recruiting and, and the, the, you don't have uh, all the opportunities to get out and evaluate live. Uh, you're watching more film. You're, you're, you're trying to get better evals based on film, which is really hard to do. And so from that standpoint, I think recruiting has probably been the largest difference that I've noticed. And simply because I think we're trying to find kind of our niche. Um, we're trying to find kind of uh, a few important, really, really important pieces for our program moving forward. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 such a, it's such a difficult thing just to do anyhow. And, and so, you know, I think that would be probably the main difference that I've noticed so far is just the recruiting part of it. And, and, and there's more rules. There's more stipulations. In D2, we could have a kid on campus right now and, and put him through a workout and get a good eval. But right now we have a kid on – if we got a kid on campus right now, we can't put them through a workout. We can't watch them play with our guys. And it really it, – it's tough because it kind of handcuffs us, but it, it's tough on those kids too because they don't get a chance to really truly be evaluated. So now they're mm -hmm. basing decisions – and no one really is 100% sure maybe on what it is they're getting into or what it is we're getting into. So I got a lot to learn in those areas, but it'll, it'll come. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Can I ask, what was that learning process for you like? I mean, did you just get this huge rule book of like, okay, here are the things now you got to pick up on when it, when it comes to those sorts of things? Or is that, were those things that you just knew about even entering I think, this position? I think a lot of them we kind of knew about. A lot of them, you know, we, we, I've got friends that have coached at this level, and then there's always conversations about different things they're going through, different challenges they have. And so there's a lot of things that we were already aware of and, and knew about. Hey, I only got one wrong in the test. So, I mean, I did pretty good. Uh, so, but no, I, I think there's the, the biggest thing is just the recruiting dates you can be out, uh, those kind of things, those evaluations. And we're just restricted on the times we can be. And uh, it just makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, we knew that, uh, you know, we're trying administratively to do the best we can, right, to support. It, it really, it, it doesn't matter if you're coming from D2 to D1. The rules change 
annually. Yeah. So we have to continually educate all of our programs. It doesn't matter. In fact, honestly, Alex, if you've been here a long time, the last thing you want to do is get comfortable yeah. in a sense that you know the rules because they may have changed. And with the Rice Commission, you know, some of the rules have kind of evolved and who knows if it'll go backwards or if they're the right rules. I think we're going to figure that out at some point. Yeah. Let me switch gears to, uh, to your staff. How's the staff melded together at yeah. this point? It's kind of interesting. You've got a couple that came from Northern yep. and a couple that were here. Well, he's great. You know, and first and foremost, uh, you know, Nate and, and Danny, Nate Kading and, and Danny uh, Mihailovich. Now I'm going to murder his name most times because um, he's not here to kind of correct me on it. But, you know, Danny and Nate were here, um, and I've really leaned on those guys a lot. I, I think just having that consistency with our guys for them has been important. Um, Nate's been a, uh, he's just been super for me as an, he's our director of ops and, and has just done a fantastic job keeping me where I need to be going and what I need to be doing. And, and, uh, so that's been great. And then we brought Zach Horseman who played at South Dakota state. Zach was with me at Northern for three years. And then Jamie Stevens, um, was at MSU Billings for, I believe eight years as a head coach or somewhere along there. He started a junior college program at central Wyoming, uh, where he had a lot of success and Jamie's, you know, they kind of each bring their own things to to our staff. And, you know, Zach played in the Summit League, had great success with teams at South Dakota State in the Summit League. He's kind of that – he's kind of the guy that I, I depend on a lot when it comes to knowing the makeup of the guys that we want to get here because he kind of has that blue collar. You kind of like being – around. you know, guys like being around tough guys. Like, if I'm going to hang out with a guy, I like to hang out with Clint Eastwood, you know? <laughs> Clint Eastwood's got a little something to him that's special and different. John mm-hmm. Wayne, well, Zach's got a little bit of that to him where he's just he just kind of is his his guy. And, yeah. well, he's, and a, he's, he's a Western South Dakota. He is. He's and, a winter and, South Dakota boy. And that's, there's, I just think he understands a lot of the things you have to do to go into winning and having success and how you go about it. And I think he really recognizes when it's absent. And that's good for me um, just because sometimes you can get blinded by talent and sometimes talent can really get you in trouble. And I think he's a, he's, a good, he's a good, honest person for me because there'll be some times I might really get excited about some young guy recruiting. He's going to look at me and says, Coach, he ain't, he, he's good enough, but he's not, he doesn't have what it takes to maybe play at this level. So, and then a guy like Jamie is a good sounding board. He's got a lot of years of head coaching under his belt. He's coached junior college. He knows that whole game. He's an incredibly smart guy. Um, from an X's and O standpoint, he's great, but he's just a very even keel, level-headed guy. Doesn't get too up, doesn't get too down, and usually keeps me pretty grounded and in perspective. And and I've known him a long time, even though we've only worked together for a year. I've known him for at least 13 or 15 years, somewhere around there. You kind of lose track, but it's been a long time, and I've known him forever. So, and and, and there, you know, Zach's wife is Taylor's done an awesome job moving up here, and then Jamie's got three daughters of his own, and his wife oh, wow. Sarah. So they're we're all kind of settling in at the same time. So it's uh, it's been a good it's been a good with those guys, and and it's with a crazy coincidence too is that Jamie Stevens. Uh, recruited and got Danny from Serbia over to the United States. So they're kind of reunited and that was not planned or anything that ever. Yeah, it was, he played on one of his, I think it was his second or third team he had at central Wyoming. So he coached him. And so that's kind of funny to hear some of those old stories. (laughs) Jamie's got some dirt on Danny, but yet Danny's got some dirt on Jamie. So it can can kind of work both ways. (laughs) Oh, talk about stars aligning here in Grand Forks. That's wild. 
Um, you talk about the staff kind of starting to gel and find their feet. Talk about the team a little bit. You've obviously added in a couple of guys from last yeah. season, but the majority of this group is is carrying over from last year. How have you seen this group mesh together over the last couple of months? Yeah, you, you know, and the funny thing is, like, when I got the job, they'd already been on campus, I think, through May and into June. So I only got them for two weeks in June together. Then they, they left for the rest of the month and through July. We got them back at the end of July and had a little bit more time with them. So I'm still learning a lot. The one thing I say, like the, the locker room aspect of it, this team, they like each other. They're, they're really trying. Um, I think we've got some good talent, some good ability. Uh, but I've been impressed with the kind of people they are. I mean, they, they, they really do. They're putting their best foot forward as far as with the change. Because change, no matter what, is hard. And I, I think that's, you know, the hardest thing they're, they're going to be facing this year is a, just a, a different change in – from, from the practice to, to games to preparation to things we do away from practice, just a lot of change. And, and uh, it, it, it's not always change from good or change from bad. It's just change. And, and so they're doing a great job with that. But we're, we're learning a lot still, Alex. We, we got a lot to still figure out. But I like their mentality. I like how hard they're trying. Um, but we just, we got, we, we just got to keep thinking about every day trying to improve and get better. The old cliche, right? And that's what it is. Final one for me, Coach, is uh, from a scheduling standpoint. You know, I would say um, we haven't announced anything yet, and I know that there's some folks that are interested, and we're still working through uh, the finality of this year's schedule. And I, it, a little tricky for us at this point, just given the baton pass between, I'll call it, coaching staffs. And so we'll hopefully have more, more to come here in the next couple of weeks. But just philosophically, what, what's your thought process on, on the scheduling side of things? Well, it, you know, obviously it'd be, it'd be nice to get some some mid-major teams up here to play, you know, get some home and homes going. I know, you know, we're, with the with the Big Sky crossover with the Summit, we've got some home games coming in here. Um, and then also with this Horizon one, Horizon League, we're going to have some crossover games where we get some home games. Um, I, I don't love the, the, the non-Division one games and, and getting a lot of those, but they, there's a purpose to them. And right now the purpose is trying to get some home games for our guys. Um, and that, that's the biggest thing. And, and so we've got to really look at it. And Coach Stevens is, is meeting with Kyle a lot. And, 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 you know, Nate did a great job of kind of helping us close this schedule down and helping us moving forward as well. But our whole intent is that we're looking at, you know, six, six, if we can get six, you know, non-conference games at home every year, that's putting us right in that 14 to 15 home games every season. And it would be great to get some of these mid-major teams here, like a Mountain West or a Missouri Valley, Horizon, Big Sky, some of those teams in our gym for non-league games because that's some, that's some great basketball. Yeah, and I, I would say that when we finally do announce it, you know, and I'll take the administrative hit on this one, is that, you know, that is what we're trying to figure out futuristically. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to what's going to be announced when we finally announce, but we made some decisions this year, I think, for the betterment moving forward. And so, uh, so more to come when we're finally able to announce. Things to look forward to in, in the weeks ahead for men's basketball. Uh, Paul, I know you got to get going because you got a high school football game yes. to get to go to out in Minot. First one, yeah. Nice little easy trip to the western part of it the is, state. It is. It is. Three hours for us is a short drive, so I'm oh, not sure. too concerned about it. Yeah, from Aberdeen, Ron Colley to yes. that North Dakota high school football. It's an easy yes. hop, skip, and a jump. Yes. Um, so we won't keep you much longer, but just um, 
I think the, the big thing I, maybe that you've noticed since you moved to Grand Forks, I'm sure community wise, this has got to be a similar jump from what you saw in Aberdeen. I mean, just the same type of how the community really buys into the university. Have you seen that manifest itself in any way the last couple of months? What have you kind of seen in your, in yeah, your short time here? Yeah, you know, I've had a lot. It, it is. It reminds me a lot of Aberdeen and, and the connection Aberdeen has with Northern State. Uh, and, and that's probably what really drew me to this this community and this university when this job opened up is I, I just think there's there it was such a great opportunity to kind of still kind of be you know I think everybody's kind of got an identity as a coach and how you want to run a program and kind of what your vision is and what you see and and like to me this is this is a place where I think you can really build it in a way that I, I know I would be proud of and and to do it for a community that I think would really respond well to those kind of teams and and you know building that consistency where every single year we're competing we're competing we're putting ourselves in a position to compete for a championship and i just think listen this community you know and, and bill mentions it i mean we're one of the few universities that's got football basketball and hockey and the one thing i've always known about the university of north dakota is they get out and they support they support they support everybody and this grand forks community i just think has that ability in this region in this area and I think if we can put some really good, consistent product out there every every year, they're gonna they're gonna be really excited about it. And getting realigned in the Summit League with some of these rivalries is really gonna help that. So, yeah, there's definitely similarities, and I think it's gonna only continue to improve and get better with with our league and with with the future of our league and what's to come with it. Because I think there's gonna be changes, and I think those changes are gonna be good for. The University of North Dakota and our basketball program. Yeah, some of those things are already in play a little bit this summer. So we'll yeah. see. It's certainly planted for a lot of success here at UND men's hoop season is just around the corner. It's crazy to think it that is. we're still in August, but that's not very far away. So Paul, thanks so much again for the time. Best of luck getting the boys ready for another yeah. year. Thanks, Alex. Big thanks to Paul for taking some time. A busy guy right now getting things ready for the winter sports season, even though it feels like, oh, hoops, that's, we're just starting fall sports. What are we, what are we thinking about basketball for? But it's right around the corner and preparation's already very much in store uh, for a man that's in his first year, of course, in charge of the program. Yeah, it's all about the calendar, right? I mean, we 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 never know when we're going to be able to get these coaches, and so uh, we were able to get Paul. And you know, the one thing, Alex, you know, you 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 never really think of to some degree is you, you kind of look at a a gentleman, uh, you know, that has had lots of success already at two institutions as a head coach. But the bigger piece of the, behind the scenes is moving your family, and you know, and. He was headed to Minot to watch his son play football for Red River. And that's probably the behind the curtain stuff that makes it, I don't want to say most difficult, but challenging. Lots of opportunity, though, as well. And so, uh, um, you know, that's, uh, I know he's excited about being the head coach at the University of North Dakota, but he wants to make sure that his family is settled as well. Yeah. And you, you can tell that that's a big piece of this. He's a family guy. He talked about that a lot, obviously, in the conversation we just had. He, he gets it, and he and his family, both they all want to be here in Grand Forks. They're embracing the community. It's been fun to see. He's a great guy. I got to know Paul a little bit when he was coaching at Northern State, just a little bit with our NSIC coverage with Midco SN. And I just, again, nice job on the hire. He's going to do great work here with UND. And already, you can tell, this team's going to be ready to go come, come November. It's going to be fun to watch that group this season. Uh, a team that... We already we, we were excited to watch that we, we thought was going to be fun to watch ended up being pretty fun to watch this past weekend UND football opening up the 2019 season uh, with a pretty resounding 47-7 win over Drake from the Pioneer League. I would say they checked 
pretty much every box from from a team that you'd want to see with a new offense, some new guys filling into key roles. Uh, a pretty good start to the season for Bubba Schweigert and company, Bill. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, I think it, when you're playing a pioneer school, you know, sometimes when they are uh, when they're a little bit older and veteran, they can be really, really challenging. I think getting a first year quarterback um, to some degree, uh, you know, Eric Schmidt and the defensive uh, crew did a great job uh, this past weekend and really kind of, I would say confused the issue, but, but, but really uh, made it hard for, for Drake. And so uh, with that gave us an opportunity, you know, to do the things maybe we needed to do offensively. And, um, you know, it's always interesting, you know, you get for us this year 11 of these and you know interestingly uh i I, you feel bad for nate that he uh you know he he went out and uh but andrew stepped in and 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 that's kind of what it is right i mean you never know when your moment's going to come and and zim came in and did a great job and that was probably the, the biggest talking point you know other than obviously winning comfortably they wanted to get away healthy, and there, we don't know yet exactly the extent of Nate Ketteringham's injury. You know, took a shot to the knee, and was able to get off under his own power, but was was certain on the sidelines. Uh, like you said, though, when they had to turn to Andrew Zimmerman, when it was still a twelve, you know, twelve nothing ball game, game was still very much in doubt at that time. He comes in and throws a strike to Travis Torvid into the one yard line. They score a play later, and he had a great afternoon. A couple touchdowns through the air was very efficient. Seven of nine passing over 130 yards. He's a guy, obviously, who was voted a captain last season Yeah, as a backup quarterback. I think the team trusts him. He's got a ton of confidence. He's a very talented kid. You you knew Andrew in another life. He was at Eastern Washington for a year, a couple of years ago. Uh, I, if, if Nate can't go and this becomes Andrew's team moving forward, it certainly doesn't derail this team's hopes. They're going to still be in great shape with number 10 back there taking the snaps. Yeah, you know, you never know when your opportunity is going to come, and especially when you play a position that only one plays it. And so it's almost very similar to a goalie. You know, 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 pick the sport, right, whether it's lacrosse or hockey or what have you. But, but, you know, unfortunately, only one plays. But you better be ready because you never know when it's going to happen. You could tell, obviously, he was ready. And, you know, he was ready to go. And, you know, that's that's encouraging. And, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to have, you know, someone that has been in the program uh, like Andrew has and, and and is older and knows what needs, you know, what, what we're looking to try to do. So so however this plays out and again, no breaking news on the pod today. I, I don't go too deep into injuries and all that stuff. That's really not my 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 ballywhack. My ballywhack is to, you know, try to get the teams to where they need to get to and at the end of the day whoever's there is there um steve westering and that group is is the group that that deals with our sports med yeah could you define ballywhack for us just to just for the listeners out there that maybe you're unfamiliar is that old (laughs) i mean is you think it's the first time i've used it here i've not heard you say that before nor have i heard maybe anyone say that before but it's really is, is that a bingo deal it probably will be now. I think that it wouldn't have been on the board before today, but I feel like it, it'll make an appearance maybe in the future. It flowed. I, I liked it. I thought it used it well. I, I, uh, I think in context, it was really easy to tell what you meant. Okay, even yeah. if you didn't know what it was. Even if you didn't know what it was. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> okay. Good. You see, you keep me honest. <laughs> uh, Ballywhack. Write that down. Um, 431 yards of total offense for Danny Freund in his first game out calling the plays. What did you like from the offensive side of the football? I mean, I think there was some creativity, right? I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, what's happened is you want to go vertically and horizontally. 
and, and I think that's what's transpired to some degree. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I almost liken it to whomever you play each week, where can you find the matchup? And I think that's what probably Danny's offense is more than anything. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but there's, you know, we're still learning it. That, that's the other piece of the puzzle. So, uh, you know, there's going to be times where James is probably going to get more carries. Let's just say I'll call it up the middle because maybe that's the right that's the right scenario that weekend. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was excited about it, but I, I, but I thought the defense set the tone. I thought the defense, yeah. uh, you know, did a great job early on. Specials were pretty dang good as well. So, uh, you know, knock on wood, I thought, you know, that was a really good first game. I, I'd say outside the field, too. Our friends at the Alara Center, I thought, had a, had a you know, great Great day as well as 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 far as our staff too, and you know those are things that you worry about that you can control administratively. You can't control the weather per se, but but I thought it was an awesome day of tailgating, and it was just a fun day, really yeah, all over, yeah. all around. Yeah, beautiful fall day in Grand Forks. Yeah, about eighty five hundred people uh, in attendance. Great atmosphere. I mean, really, for a game that got out of hand, the, the crowd was into it from start to finish. It was really fun to have football back in our lives in that way. Great way to kick off the season. UND football now 1-0, and they march on a, a brief drive down I-29, 75 miles away. They get to take on a pretty good football team that they've got some history with coming up next Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, we probably maybe pause here, maybe get into the other sports, and I then finish so. off with that. Does that make sense? I, I agree. But, but I agree with that. Um, I do have some thoughts on that. Yes, we will, we will get into those. More to come on that after we kind of touch base on some of the other action from this past weekend uh everybody else on the road football the only team that was home volleyball going down to louisiana and then mississippi three and one not a bad start for jeremiah tiffin including three straight wins the last couple of days not a bad way to kick off the new era of und volleyball yeah i thought we played pretty well i i I haven't talked to jeremiah i i was texting with him a bit but uh yeah i you know we go on the road again this weekend uh in new england uh so go to rhode island (laughs) and see see how that all plays itself out but uh yeah i i thought we played okay i i i I bet you um he was happy with the results but um gives us a chance to probably work on some things uh moving forward but I, i thought the team uh you know kind of uh figured it out after that first match yeah, you, you could tell. It stumbled a bit, lost in four in match number one against the hosts at the University of New Orleans tournament, but then started to up their game a little bit. And you could see different kids stepping up. Darian Fielkuski, who's just a sophomore this year, had to jump in last year as a true freshman, had a double-double in, bo- in a couple of games over the weekend. Ashley Brueggemann with her, kind of her typical, consistent, efficient attacking performance. You know, it, it's a new season, but, but the fact they at least get a couple of wins under their belt before the Hampton Invitational this weekend in Rhode Island against probably a pretty good Villanova team and, and then a couple others as well. Good confidence boost for this team moving forward. Plus, plus they got beignets. I, I'm not sure if they were in Cafe Dumont or if they just got beignets from someplace else, but if you're in the French Quarter and you win a couple of matches, treat yourself to some delicious powdered donuts that they only do it like that in the Big Easy. I was very pleased to see that they're making those kind of choices in their lives. Ballywick and beignets. 
<laughs> right? Oh, well, volleyball was down south. Soccer was as well down in South Carolina. A 2 nothing win for Chris Logan and the girls against South Carolina State back on Wednesday. And then a one nothing defeat to the Citadel on Friday. Another couple tight, you know, defensive games. Very physical games. South Carolina State especially, that was kind of the message coming out of that. We kind of got banged up in that first game of the week. Along with the travel, that's a lot. Four, four matches in the span of a little over a week uh, to start off the season. You know, that's... A tough way to begin the year, but still 2-1-1 one, and one moving into a couple of home matches coming up this weekend. Yeah, a little bit of a scheduling. Uh, I, I'm not going to call it a scheduling loss against the Citadel. I'm sure the Citadel played very, very well. I, I, I um, but, but that is a lot of soccer in a short amount of time. And then you've got the, the travel piece in the middle of it. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, hey, 2-1-1. One, and one, and then we've, we go on a little bit of a three-game uh, or three-match home streak here. Play yes. Friday and Sunday. And then we play again on the 10th against Minot. So, so Chicago State and then Hawaii, which is interesting. I mean, just I, just – I don't know. That stuff kind of interests me when Hawaii <laughs> plays North Dakota in something is just fascinating to me. And then, uh, and then we've got Minot. So, so I think the ladies, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, got back safely and uh, resting a bit and then uh, that we're back at home. Yeah. The Hawaii North Dakota rivalry underrated. It's an underrated rivalry across sports. So a chance to renew that coming up. Yeah, a couple afternoon games, as you mentioned, Chicago State Friday at 3, Hawaii Sunday at 4, and then Minot State next Tuesday the 10th at 3. Cross Country was on the road down to Fargo this past weekend. You know, first first meet of the Christine Angle regime. And, you know, both the men and women picked up fourth in the Bison Open. A couple top 10 finishers on both sides. It's, you know, early in the season, still building those programs, but nice to get that season off and running as well. Yeah, Kyle uh, Doporalski, who oversees track and field, was down there and said that, you know, a few of our runners uh, um, sat that one out. And, and, and sometimes that's what happens, I think, in, in, in the cross world, so to speak. If you're not 100% or, as we like to say in EPL terms, 100% fit, mm-hmm. um, maybe you don't go. And, uh, and so that was the case. But I think Christine's era, uh, you know, kicked off, so to speak, which is great. And uh, a lot of a lot of support down there with our whole track and field team was was down there. And so that was that was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, cool to see them in action. They get a week off this weekend and then no, not off. Obviously, they'll be they'll be running, just not competing this weekend. But they'll they'll resume action on the 13th at the SDSU Classic down in Brookings. That's pretty much the the lay of the land, at least, of what was going on on the course and the field and the pitch, et cetera, and on, on the hardwood. Uh, busy week coming up, of course, and it really is headlined by the NDSU-UND game. I mean, it's just a special, special rivalry that gets resumed. Uh, this is really, uh, you know, from a football perspective, Bill, your first taste of this. But you're a guy that's been around sports, and you know rivalries. You've, you've had a lot in your life over the years. What have you heard about this specific rivalry from a football perspective? What's your impression entering this week? Yeah, you know, a, a few things. Uh, you know, Fire and Ice documentary, which was kind of neat to see. Yes. Um, that was that was awesome. So obviously, watch that. Um, and uh, it, it, you know, it, when your first game was in 1894, let that sink in for a half a yeah. second, right? And then you know, what's weird to me is on all the shakeups and how things happen, it still boggles my mind to some degree that Texas and Texas A&M don't play the Friday after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. You know, this rivalry, you know, stopped basically in 2003. And we've lost a whole generation. Literally, we've lost a whole generation 
And so, you know, now next year, when we get back into the Valley, now I think we can basically call it a rivalry. I'll say it again. It's obviously always in a rivalry, but, but even this game is a non-conference game. And so because, because the Bison jumped out into the FCS world before we did, you know, there's only been a couple of games and they're both down in Fargo. And then, well, just because that's just the way it goes, we'll go down there again next year. One more time, and then uh, and then they'll come back here in twenty one, and it'll be the first time since '03 that they'll have played. So really, it literally is someone that was born is now going to be a high school, probably senior, graduating that they saw the Bison play in Grand Forks during those interviews with the UND players for Day by Day this week. You know, I wanted to ask guys like James Johannesson, you know, who's a Fargo kid, Jade Lawrence, who's from Moorhead, you know, Noah Wanzik, who's from Jamestown, like guys that are from North Dakota. How have you experienced this rivalry growing up? And really, when I kind of started thinking about it, yeah, you would have been like five years old the last time this happened. And it hasn't happened really since, aside from that game in 2015. Like you said, there is no real personal connotation for those kids who are 20 and under who have really been able to see this and obviously they've seen maybe the movie the documentary they've heard the stories you hear all the buzz about it but they've not experienced it that's what makes it another reason why this is so exciting these teams are going to be playing each other now on an annual basis from here until the you know the uh, the foreseeable future and that that's really exciting this is coming back in our lives yeah i mean you know i mean Take all the great rivalries in sports and imagine taking basically 20 years off. I mean, that's crazy to me. And that's really what's transpired. So, you know, we go down there this weekend with awesome opportunity. Um, you know, we know what they've done over the last eight years is, is uh, really unprecedented. And so, uh, um, but, you know, I, 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 life is about complete opportunity. And you know what? Our guys, I guarantee you, uh, are looking forward to, you know, the ability to go down. And, uh, you know, and we, we got to play well. I mean, we got to, you know, we got to uh, do what we do and then uh, and see where the chips fall. It should be noted, UND does still lead the all-time series. They've, they've played a lot over the years, as you mentioned, since the late 1800s. The overall record still in favor of the team from Grand Forks. They also are the holders of the nickel trophy because the trophy was retired in 03. UND got the win the last time in that. Uh, talk about why, because I think that's kind of been a, a, a maybe a point of interest. Why is there no nickel trophy for this particular iteration? And where, where is it right now? Give us the update on what's going on with that. Yeah, so I, I came here, Alex, and uh, you know, at that point, obviously, we're not in the same conference anymore. So you're not playing every other, excuse me, playing every year in the regular season, and that's the nickel was played, you know, every year uh, based on the regular season game. There were a few years where there actually was playoff games, but that had nothing to do with the nickel trophy, yeah. and so we retired, quote unquote, the trophy uh, to Bismarck uh, back in uh, in the spring. So I went to the Heritage Center, and uh, um, I think that's the right place for it. I think it. Had had its time. And so now as we move forward, probably starting next year, let's just say, if if anything were to occur, I would say probably external entities, let's just say our student bodies, the legislature, something to that effect probably needs to weigh in on what makes sense moving forward now that we're back in the same league. And, you know, hard to have, I think, a rivalry, let's call it trophy, if literally you don't know if you're playing every year. 
And so, yeah. uh, so, so this year is still a non-conference game. I still think it makes sense that if any conversations moving forward, it should move forward from next year on. I think that's smart. That's wise. That's my opinion. I mean, that's yeah. my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I mean, you know, uh, you know, but I just think now we know it's going to be kind of an every other year deal uh, moving forward. So, uh, um, yeah. So, so all that to be said, it was a great, um, it was great to bring it to, to Bismarck. And again, it has such history behind it. Um, and uh, I think people want to at least see it. And if they do want to see it, they just literally can go into the Heritage Center and, and it's on display. There have been some great stories around that. As with most rivalry trophies, I think when the nickel was retired, there was a great piece on the UND website talking about how the nickel was stolen at one point and some of the kids that had taken it. It was just like sitting in somebody's dorm room or in some frat house. And then they brought it back and presented it at the conversation. I think, I don't know if it was Dale Lennon was the coach at the time, but the student came in and came into the office and sat down and, and literally just looked at him and said, I have the nickel. Like, those are just the kind of things. And then he brought it back in time for the game. Those are the kind of things that are just great. And that's why a rivalry trophy, when you have such a great rivalry and such a close affiliation between the two schools, it's just kind of fun. There's something fun about that. Have you gotten some suggestions, by the way? I know this is still at least a year in advance, but have you gotten some suggestions from people on what would be a good alternative to the nickel as a, as a fun rivalry trophy for these two teams? I have my thoughts, but I, I, I'd say this. I, I think, uh, you know, back back in the 30s when it happened, it was kind of the blue key groups that put to, put this together, which basically were the student governments. And so I, I still think that's probably where it needs to probably land at some stage. I think I think it should be based on what the state wants and what the student groups want. And then I think, you know, the teams play for it each year. But I don't know, maybe there's a thought of, you know, maybe a Teddy Roosevelt piece or angle. I mean, I, that, that would seem some maybe logical to some some degree. I, but, you know, I, I think it's up to the two student groups, I think, that should initiate the conversation about what should transpire. The other thought that I think, too, Alex, is if you want to play for something, which I do think, that's important. I do. I, I think there's a, a visual to that, which is awesome. I do think that we probably should play for a cause in some way, shape, or form, too. Mm. I think whatever the state is, uh, I'll say this, in need of or need a spotlight on, there's a three-hour platform that will happen annually that I think people will be dialing into, and we need to be thoughtful in that regard. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to look at it. I know when Nebraska and Iowa began their rivalry, that was kind of something they had looked at too. Like, hey, we're going to be playing every year after Thanksgiving. Let's get a trophy, but let's also look at something that we can support. And I think first responders is what they ended up kind of drifting towards. What is your favorite rivalry trophy, by the way, that currently exists in college football? Just out of curiosity, what do you like out there? I'm not sure I'm all that caught up in any one of them to, to, to the old oaken bucket is kind of interesting <laughs> to me just because I love the backgrounds of some of these things too, you know, yeah. like why, why that? And why does that make sense? But, um, you know, I, I do like, um, I just like when two, uh, two schools can do something that's greater than themselves. 
And I, and I, I think that's what we need to be thinking about moving forward. So I'm not sure I have any one particular one that like sticks out, but I do like that rivalry weekend. I mean, growing up, it was always that Thanksgiving weekend was yes. always rivalry, right? And then mm-hmm. it was almost a little saddened when, when some get, you know, I'll say this dismantled and they don't play annually. And that's what ended up happening to some degree when all of the conference realignment occurred. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why people are so excited for this to come back, because it does give you that taste of nostalgia, even if there isn't a trophy. But old looking bucket, by the way, Purdue, Indiana, correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. I I know it's it's sacrilegious to say anything involving Minnesota, but the Paul Bunyan axe between Minnesota and Wisconsin is kind of fun because it's a giant axe. Like that's a that's a great trophy. It's a giant axe. That's that's pretty legit. You got to be careful when you're running around with that, though, don't you? you? Yes, you do. I mean, you know, I mean, scissors, right? It's like scissors <laughs> with your kid. Be careful. Be careful with that. Sharp, sharp edges over there. Both ways. If you go out or in. Yep, exactly. It could be a problem. <laughs> well, there are a lot of great ones to pick from. So be, be on the lookout for that. That'll be something fun to kind of monitor over the next year when these two teams meet up again as conference rivals coming up in the 2020 football season. Uh Rivalries are just great. I mean, Red Sox, Yankees, North Carolina, Duke, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State. There, there are just a lot of. I'm trying to even think of what would be another. I mean, Canadians, Bruins. I, there's a lot of really good rivalries out there, and I, this this one is at least in terms of this region on the, on the football field. There's none better than North Dakota, North Dakota State. There really isn't. Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. <laughs> you know, really, I mean, and it, it's a big deal. They play back to back weekends and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a huge deal. But I think anytime you have a two schools from the same state where there's connections through families over the course of time is awesome. And now you can like bank on those three hours. And you know, like I said, I, I'm just perplexed and blown away. And and I understand the history of it, but it's too bad that we've lost that many years in between, but let's, let's go make up for it. How about that? There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere down there on Saturday. What do you think we're going to experience? I mean, in the Fargo Dome Saturday at at two 30, when these two get together and kickoff is approaching. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, you know, and again, not to flip to the B side here with Tottenham and uh, Arsenal, but, you know, uh, but, you know, I think there's just another level of energy weirdly. Right. I mean, it's like there's a game and then there's a game with even more energy. And and that's, I think, exactly what's going to transpire on Saturday. And I think, you know, both teams will be amped for it and uh, it should uh, it should be great. Well, we are looking forward to it, certainly from a uh, just uh, from a fan perspective, I think honestly, first and foremost, I'm just excited to see what it's going to be like when these two get together. And the guys, you could already tell. First of all, by the way, I was really impressed with how they stayed focused on Drake. Like there was a great focus on the opponent in week one. They weren't getting ahead of themselves. I didn't hear anybody say anything about NDSU ever in fall camp unless they were really badgered by a reporter to talk about it. And even then it was kind of a sidestep of, well, we got this team first. But I think now you could tell even after the game, listening to the guys talk about it, Noah Wanzik had a great comment in the post-game press conference about how he's been waiting for this since before he committed to UND. Like when he kind of thought about, well, I'm going to be a UND player and I've looked at the schedule and I know when these two are going to play again. And I just, I've been excited for this since before I was a freshman here. I mean, these guys are just ready to go. Yeah, give the coaching staff a lot of credit, you know, just to, to, to make sure you stay focused on the task at hand, um, for sure, number one. And our, and our 
our players, right? They they did a great job. I mean, they, they knew that they wanted an opportunity to go down and have a, a just a, a great chance to go play in a game that's memorable for the rest of their lives, literally. But it would have been... Uh, you know, wouldn't have been great if you didn't lead into it with taking care of your business on week one. Yes, yes, 100% agree. So that North Dakota did that. Now they get to focus on Bison Week. So it should be fun. 2.30 again coming up on Saturday from the Fargo Dome. I'm going to say it's going to be a tough ticket. So if you don't already have one in your hands, maybe don't plan on making the trip down and expecting to walk in and get one. But uh, but yeah, you can still certainly experience it via television and and, uh, yeah. I would take advantage of that. I would not miss it. That's must-see TV coming up this weekend. No doubt. Uh, well, speaking of must-see TV, maybe a good chance to flip to the B-side, unless you want to talk about anything FCS-related. I mean, we had some fun fun games. F- Iowa State nearly going down to Northern Iowa, a team that UND fans are going to get really accustomed to in the next couple of years as a Valley opponent. It took them three overtimes, but the uh, Cyclones finally got the job done. I, there were some other good FCS scores, uh, kind of of note in our region. And what, what stood out to you, Bill, from an FCS perspective? Uh, yeah, you know, I obviously, you follow it. I, here's the deal. I, we have everything in front of us, and we've got to take care of our own business. And we've, uh, you know, I, I think I get into... I'll say this, FCS watching, if you will, mid-year. I mean, I, I understand what's happening at this stage of the game, but, uh, you know, we have uh, just a tremendous schedule in front of us, and if we can kind of take care of some uh, business on our own, then we're going to be in that conversation. And so, uh, but it's really uh, within our domain right now to, to, to be the best, uh, I guess, version of this team uh, in 2019. Yeah, keeping the focus on ourselves at this point yeah good call good uh we'll flip into the b side uh you know you mentioned again rivalry week on the football field coming up it was rivalry week on the pitch over in england this past weekend you get a north london derby at uh at the arsenal and a a match that started out really well for spurs and then just kind of kind of you know a little little stumble there before the half and you finish in a 2-2 draw uh with your most hated rival how did you experience the game this weekend bill yeah, I, I thought that Hugo Lloris didn't have a great game. He he had an okay game. In some, did you watch the match? I did, yes. Yeah, and so, I, you know, he made some good saves. Start there, I mean, which was great, but he, they had some weird, I don't know what they were doing. They're playing out of the back a lot, and it was like, what are they doing? Like, like seriously, I, I didn't know what was going on, and obviously they made that decision, but th- wow, they – they probably were lucky to get out with a point. That's all I will say. Mm. And, you know, could have certainly gotten three because you're up two. But I think they, you know, I hate to say a fair result. It sounds awful when you tie someone, but probably was a fair result. Yeah, there was a great atmosphere at the Emirates that day. Probably the best best I've seen. That place has kind of been a mausoleum the last couple of years. And it was, it was rocking. They were ready. They were ready. They're, they're, They're top three guys up front. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Abamyang, Pepe, Lacazette. It was the first time that they had all started a match this season, and you could see the threat they posed. Even though they went down two nothing, Lacazette scores right before the half. Uh, Abamyang got the equalizer. Yeah, but Pepe doesn't. He's not quite the finished product yet. But man, the guy's got some got some N one mixtape moves on the ball. He's, they're, they're really impressive up front. He's pretty good. Uh, the uh, you know I think that. You know, Tottenham coming into the season, two road matches at, I'll call it a top six uh, teams. So you have 10 matches. If you were to say Liverpool and Man City are the top two, and then you get the next four, and then you probably have a little bit of a gap again in another four. So 
you're going to have 10 matches and they've already knocked out two on the road, which is good. And, and they've gotten points out of them. So that's good. But um, they've been really struggling with this whole transfer window thing. And I, I think today, uh, as we record this on a Monday, the transfer window in Europe will close today. Correct. And then and then at some point, they're going to figure out, hey, we're actually on this team. And now we can <laughs> focus in on this team. And I seriously, I think that's been an issue for them to some degree. I think so, too. Christian Eriksen did start this weekend, scored a goal. I mean, he had the opener and, and looked pretty good, at least in the early stages. So that was kind of at least a nice boost. You'd think that maybe that means he's going to stick around. But we'll we'll see. I, they're in a, um, as you mentioned, you know, through, through the first four games of the season, you know, won their first and then draw, loss, draw. But... Like you said, a lot, of, a lot of difficult teams away from home. 38-game 30, season, right? 38-game season, but I, I do believe this, though. As I was talking to my son, who we that's the one thing we certainly bond with in, in sport. And then we, uh, he, we like opposite teams in every other sport, which is that's what it is. So, And that's okay. Um, but there's such a separation in my opinion between man city and liverpool and the other the other four i'll say i, I they're just they're complete they're complete and, and 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 there's there's danger everywhere in man city's lineup and not their lineup yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. liverpool the the guy that 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 was ridiculous last year was van dyke which just completes them in a weird way and it's just uh i just think they're different they're, those two are different and so the, but arsenal and tottenham and those teams they're fun to watch but man they got some holes yeah and if you catch them on a bat if you catch them on a good day they could be dangerous against you i mean they can put up four or five goals but man they could also let in four or five goals (laughs) can't they yes i would agree with that i've seen that firsthand this year yeah especially arsenal giving up giving up three and it could have been seven to liverpool a couple weeks ago so you could be leaky you can you can be a little a little dodgy at the back. So yeah, going into international break now, now we get a couple weeks to sort of lick our wounds and I guess not have soccer next Saturday. Probably okay. Actually worked out all right. We got, we got this Bison UND game coming up this weekend. No EPL, UEFA qualifying and CONCACAF Nations League and other stuff going on. But it's nice, at least from a Liverpool perspective, perfect four for four, top of the table, Man City right behind them. And then kind of everybody else as you go into the first international break of the season. Sunday and then Sunday night, we've got our uh, Patriots and Steelers. That's right. NFL gets going this weekend. Uh, That's exciting. Thursday night, Bears, Packers, good way to kick off the season. And and then, yes, big one uh, with New England and, and Pittsburgh coming up. Uh, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you feel good about this Steelers team. There's no drama, and there also feels like not a lot. Not a lot of people are talking about Pittsburgh right now. Everybody's everybody's talking about the teams that ex Steelers have gone to. Like there's been so much more attention on the terrible Raiders than it is about this Steelers team that I, I think is going to be really good. I think they're going to be great this year. How do you feel? Still feeling pretty good about this? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're. Um, I think they're going to be a really. Uh, I, I, I think they're dialed. I mean, I think uh, unlike in a weird way, Tottenham is. I mean, if I can flip it, is you know, I, I think as as Potch said, they're kind of unsettled. It feels like the Steelers are kind of settled this year. They're just kind of doing their thing. And uh, whenever you have kind of a quiet training camp and you have, uh, and you definitely are talented, I think you're dangerous. I think they're dangerous. I, I really do. And now do they go to new England and win? I don't know. They, they've never been able to figure uh, Brady out. Like, like they, they've just always played the same way. And I was just like, here we go again. I'm going to know by the first series, Alex, are we playing the same way again? 
We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun at Foxborough coming up again Sunday night. That really is kind of the standout game of the weekend. Chicago Green Bay, obviously, again, Thursday will be a lot of fun. Minnesota taking on the Falcons will be a good time as well. There's some. It's just going to be fun again. Like we talked about this weekend, having college football back in our lives. It is kind of fun to have NFL back on a Sunday to be able to sit back and enjoy uh, kind of the best at what they do. One other cool note. If you were paying attention to the world of sports this weekend, are you are you a tennis guy? You, you kind of watch tennis a little bit. I yeah. Am. Were you watching any U.S. Open this weekend? Oh yeah, I, I've got some okay tennis stories too. I was sharing with Brad Schlossman. <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you what. I my my one of my top moments to see a sporting event was um, in 1987. I'm not sure how old you were at that point. But in Hartford, I was, I was, I was okay, alive. Okay. In Hartford, saw uh, Davis Cup, and it was uh, John McEnroe against Boris Becker. Oh wow! And uh, Eric Yalen against Tim Mayotte got there at one in the afternoon and left at midnight. Hmm. How about that? Uh, it, it, the Becker, the Becker McEnroe match was four sets. Um, but Becker won it in his prime. And then the Mayotte match was five sets and it was just ridiculous. I mean, I no tennis is unbelievable. Tennis is a lot like, you know, any other sport you're out there alone. You're out there alone. That's it. I mean, I, you, I mean, you are alone. And that's why to me, I, I, you know, the, the greatest team sports, that's why football and tennis, like are on two opposite sides of the ledger to some degree, even golf, you've got a caddy with you to talk to. Not in tennis, not in tennis. You're there with your mind and your thoughts all the time. It's amazing. I think that these athletes can do what they do because of that. It is such a mental, it's a physical grind. Obviously, if you're playing a five set match in heat, that's over four hours long, or again, for, for the women, sometimes too, you're playing three plus hours. You're by yourself and you get penalized for even looking at your coach sometimes. I mean, like you, you have no communication with anybody outside of your own headspace. And uh, that's why, because of some of those things and how it is such an intense mental grind out there, uh, I don't know if you caught the Coco Goff, Naomi Osaka match the other night. I did. I did. But what a special thing. I, two young women that have a ton of talent. Osaka is obviously a two time major champion. Coco kind of came onto the scene at Wimbledon this last year. I think a 16 year old American that just 15. is 15 years old, excuse me. So few, such a bright future, but those two are know each other and are kind of, you know, have a history together, at least being, being American, even though Osaka competes for Japan. They had a great moment after the match, and Osaka kind of took care of business and, and kind of took Coco down. But you talk about great sportsmanship and just great human beings, just talking about you know good people in sport doing the right thing on a national stage like that. Pretty cool to see those two have that moment after the match in the post-match interview. Well, and, 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 and if you, we go back to Federer Djokovic again at Wimbledon. I mean, I, 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 I ended up waking up and watched that entire thing because, again, it's two people in the arena giving it their all, and someone's going to fail, let's call it mm-hmm. fail, right? Lose, uh, anything but failing. But, um, but yeah, it's just – it's an incredible uh, – yeah, it's a really incredible sport. I, I've always loved the U.S. Open, having grown up in Connecticut and being so close to New York City. It always kind of was like the end of summer. Yeah. 
it was always it, there was like uh, it was awesome to watch, and there was also some sadness there too, right? I mean, I I, I can remember watching all the all the way through, and uh, but you know, there's just uh, tennis is a is a, is a is a is a is a wonderful sport. I I told Brad Schlossman this. I, I was uh, at St. Thomas University where I got my undergrad. Um, I. Uh, went to what was the Lipton in Key Biscayne at some point. Outside court was Chris Everett and Wendy Turnbull against Steffi Graf and Gabriella Sabatini. Oh, my goodness. They're pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. good. <laughs> I mean, in, in the big picture of life, of seeing things live, you know, I mean, if I went back and saw the top 10, top 10 things that I saw as a fan – not necessarily working in this industry, but as a fan, those are those are cool things. Awesome, that's that's good stuff. Anytime you see again the best at what they do, and really in that case, I mean Steffi Graf, like I mean some of the best all time, Chris Everett, best all time, like that sort of thing. That's special. No matter what they're doing, it, that's that's a lot of fun to be a part of in person. I heard Chris Everett the other night when, uh, amazingly, did you watch? Did you watch um, Serena play Sharapova? You know, I, I didn't see much of that match because it was over real fast. So I missed I missed that one. Yeah. And so you, you're you're dialed on her deal a little bit. She's beaten her 19 straight times. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so there's that. And and ultimately, which I thought was 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 interesting, is this is Chris Everett. This was her assessment. Five time major winner Maria Sharapova. There's nothing she does better than Serena Williams. Uh, think about that. There is nothing on the court she does better. Hmm. I mean, just I mean, just get your head around that for a half a second, and then you you're a five time major winner, going out to that court and then figuring out how you do this again. Yeah. Best line in tennis ever, and I'm trying to think who the heck he lost to. Vitas Gerolitis, I think, lost to Jimmy Connors. I, I think I, I'm going to make it up 18 straight times, whatever, and he finally beat him. Right, and he says no one beats fetus sterilitis nineteen times. <laughs> is that one of the greatest lines ever? That is one of the best. Fetus was a gem. He was a beauty in every sense of the word. Was yeah. he? Oh man. Yeah. Right. I mean, just good. Uh, uh, I didn't know we evolved to tennis. Uh, you know, it, sometimes it just—that's the B side for you. You just never know. Tennis is great. I love tennis. It's a really fun sport, fun to watch, and especially the majors. It's a great time. So if you haven't cut a little U.S. Open, enjoy it. Get out there. There's a week left. Take advantage. I grew up in the prime of McEnroe and it was just uh, great. So, I mean, so great and, and, and just personality. I mean, and, and then him, you know, playing the Yvonne Lendl's or the Bjorn Borgs who are very stoic, but, but awesome in so many ways. And then you have a, a, a John McEnroe and a Jimmy Connors. I mean, holy cow. It was tremendous. Yeah, that was the golden age. Like, they're probably, I don't know. I mean, this is, it's been fun, obviously, with Federer and Nadal and Djokovic now for the last, what, the last 20 years. But uh, back in the day when you really didn't know who was going to win in the 80s, you had so many top guys all kind of in their prime and you would take turns in everybody's specialty. And I don't know. It's, it's just one of those sports. Anytime you get individual sports like that and you have just all-time great guys at the same time, or great women, obviously, at the same time, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and especially the personalities of Connors and McEnroe. Legends, legends, Bill. The Bobby Orr's of the tennis world, to bring it back full circle. Or Bobby Orr. Or Bobby Dorr for that. <laughs> we begin with Bobby Dorr, we end with Bobby Orr. The Dorr family four. will be happy. 
<laughs> oh man. Well, good. Well, I think I think that's all we got for the Bill Chaves podcast this week. Big week. Enjoy all the hype leading up to Saturday at two thirty. Best of luck to our various teams in action. Thanks again, Bill. Not not best of luck to the Steelers, by the way, this weekend. We'll see who wins that one come next week. But thanks again to Bill Chaves, to Cassie Nails, our producer. I'm Alex Seiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat with you next week. Mm-hmm.